This is Marvel 616 Politics, episode 81, with your host, Andy Kirby. And Jared. Jared, what you call it, Mayo. How you doing, sir? Oh, I didn't say my last name at the intro. Oh, I'm... Uh, Jared Mayo. You still said it. Oh, I, Jared, <laughs> how you doing? I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, well, that's good news. How are you, man? I am all right. I'm trying to figure out uh, some of this equipment here, and, you know, some of it starts automatically, and, you know, trying to produce the show on the fly. I mean, after what we did last time and how amazing it was and how the spe- the, the, the microphones picked up those people in the audience, you know. Yeah, this is the this is our, our first podcast since Gem City. And it's on the new equipment, correct? It is on the new equipment, so we're going to see how that turns out. But don't worry, I got a backup copy. I got two things recording right now. So I'm recording the old way, and I'm recording the new way. <laughs> okay. So we, we haven't checked it, but I'm sure it's fine. Well, I, th- I think the last show turned out pretty well, so I think the equipment's good. Yeah, the, yeah. But it's all I've been see. There's this new iPhone game I got. It's uh, I forget what it's called, but it's all about like hooking in audio equipment. It's a puzzle game, so you gotta like convert the RCA to the the XLR and back and forth and the do the two for ones and everything. It's great. I love it. So I've been practicing. And uh, it's worked out for you well, then. I mean, I've I have beaten forty of these levels. <laughs> I don't want to brag, but I'm I'm pretty much. I mean, you could hire me to run anybody's mix board. Well, hey, mixer soundboard. I don't even know what it's called. You could be our fourth sponsor. <laughs> DJ Andy. <laughs> I like that. That has a ring to it. It does have a ring to it. Yeah, I like that. I'm just happy that you can hear me. Well, you you're loud. Oh, am I? Well, no, I mean just in general. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> just yeah. a loud guy. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this was this is the first time since Comic Con. What what uh, was it like to be back in Ohio? It was man. It was a it was a wave of nostalgia. You know, <laughs> it really was because I went to I went to the school that we uh, <laughs> the college and I went to chapel and then actually one of my dad's friends whose his child is. Uh, looking at schools, um, he called me and asked me about chapel and what I thought, and was <laughs> was chapel five times a week way too much? <laughs> <laughs> so you know, good questions. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I mean, it was it was good. I got to I got to see you guys. Got to hang out. I got to beat you at Marvel trivia a couple times. Uh, uh, I got to uh, eat Chinese food from my favorite Chinese place ever. Got to talk to the owner. He said he remembered me. I I don't think he did, but you know whatever. <laughs> I'm not gonna say anything. What was it to have me as a guest in your house? 
Oh, it was taxing. Yeah, well, I know. You kept asking me if I was bored. Oh, I want to make sure you're entertained. <laughs> you know, I don't have to walk around to be entertained. I was really actually just watching everybody. You know, I've never gone to a comic convention for to look through the comics, so it was a unique experience for me. Did you... Well, you didn't look through, like, the the floppies. You looked through trades, though. Right, yeah, but I've never... I've never been to a convention to do that. Well, we were actually... Usually I go through the floppies and with my list, but we were kind of busy the whole time. We were. We were talking up Mark Wade the whole time. Uh, <laughs> a little bit. And, <laughs> and then we, we saw him uh, going through some trades himself. And so I was trying to find a trade to say, man, this trade by Mark Wade sucks. But I couldn't <laughs> find one. <laughs> None of them were half off. Oh no, but he was nice. He was a good guy. They, they, they were great. His yeah. whole group over there in Indiana. I thought, uh, I thought it was great. Did you get to talk to him in the stairwell at all while we were going? Remember, we all took the stairs. Yeah, no, that was you. Okay, all right. I didn't know. I didn't know if you got to talk to him, but it was, you know, it was, it was neat. A neat opportunity. It was kind of interesting to have people wanting to take our pictures with us. Yeah, that was cool. That's never happened before. No, no one ever wants to take pictures with me. <laughs> like the kids and my wife. <laughs> like, go stand over there. <laughs> so, I want to ask you, okay, all right. I have never been on a men's retreat, but you went on a men's retreat this past weekend, right? <laughs> yes, I did. Okay, so what happens? Why did you go? How often do you go? Was it fun? You know, all those things. Okay. Uh, men's retreat is kind of, it was something that uh, that's our church has done for, I guess, for a long time. But it's been mostly something that older men have gone on to, like kind of, you know, 55 and up group. They've done that kind of stuff. And um, our youth pastor has transitioned into our family's pastor. So... Uh, you know, he's a young, cool guy. He's he's a couple years older than us, and um, he's got a cool beard, and he does CrossFit and stuff, and <laughs> he's just – he's a popular person. And sure. So he's kind of taken over doing the men's retreat. He took it over last year, and so it's all kind of about who puts it together, you know? Right. So whether it's, you know, grandpa is going to put the men's retreat together, I'm not going to go to that. That doesn't sound like fun. But the young guy who's a good friend of yours and is cool puts it together. You know the men's retreat's going to be cool. So last year I went. Uh, we went to Scioto Hills. That's about two hours from here. And then this year we went to Camp Chautauqua. And it's about 40 minutes from here. That sounds made up. You would think. <laughs> I do think. I, I looked at the sign and that's what it said. Chautauqua? Chautauqua. So what did you do? Like, wh- like, why are we retreating? What is going on here? Uh, well, we all held, We took turns holding the silent stick as we went around the fire. And whoever had the stick, that person got uh, the chance to talk. And whatever they said, it was safe. And no one would laugh at them or make fun of what they had to say. Wait a minute. Wait. Are you, are you <laughs> making a joke right now? I'm just making a joke. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, right now I can't help but laugh, and that's I thought that would be disrespectful. But I did tell another guy that that's what we did the year before, and he thought I was serious. The and I didn't silent stick? 
Yeah, and I told him, and I didn't tell him different until we got back from the retreat. And he was like, I kept waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, no, we get there. there um, we have a speaker that comes in, and he did um, he did a session Friday night and then a session Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, and Saturday evening. Gotcha. So what was the topic? <clears throat> you what? What was the topic? Um, it was, what are your mats? Kind of like, what is, what's your mat that you have been laying on that is kind of keep you from, from being the, the man of God that God wants you to be? Like the paralytic on the mat? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. So you had to lower people through ceilings? So, well, there were a lot of short people at our church. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, there were those four times, but those didn't really last long. A lot of it was just kind of bonding and, and hanging out together. We did paintball on saturday for three hours now that's awesome it was awesome i'd never done paintball before now Uh, when i texted you about this you said i said how'd you do and you said do you even have to ask which i thought initially i thought that meant you were coming home with a lot of bruises oh i mean no 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 i mean if i'm gonna do something i'm gonna be amazing at it (laughs) otherwise you know i'm not gonna do it do you think that you are diagnosably narcissistic probably not diagnosably okay all right all right it's just an act i put up to because i have a low (laughs) self-image i don't believe that for a second (laughs) i think your self-image is pretty healthy there buddy i do have a large bruise on my arm okay all right but i i mean for playing three hours i only got hit i believe it was five times in three hours how many so, ga- how many games is that like and were you hit right away is were my follow-up questions oh i mean we played it was just game after game after game there were 18 of us so two teams of nine and uh i don't know how many games we played 15 20 games we it was a lot so i'm pretty stealthy <laughs> was it like open field at all or was it like running through hiding and and like obstacles Oh, there were obstacles. Um, there was, I guess, uh, a Chuck E. Cheese closed down, and so they got a lot of their tunnels and stuff. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, they threw those up. Those were barriers, and, and you could hide in those. And um, There were two courses. One was in the woods, and one was with the, the different Chuck E. Cheese obstacle stuff. So it was cool. And uh, so we did that for a long time. They had a uh putt putt course they had volleyball basketball we had we played a kickball game i mean it was there was a lot of stuff to do there wasn't a lot of just sitting around with nothing to do time sure so it was it was a really good time huh. right on you right should on. you should organize one at your church yeah i don't know i'm not really much of a social go out and with people i don't really know and hang out uh, well, you do know some people at your church, right? That is true. Some, yep. Yeah, so so it wouldn't be all strangers. That's true, right? What's your point? So you said that you're not one to go out and hang out with people you don't know, so these people you would know. Okay, so, so there's a, a small number of people I know, so I should go and with the rest of the group? Yeah, I mean, it's okay to get to know a couple people. <laughs> is it, though? Is it? Well, yeah. I mean, especially on a, a, a godly retreat. I think what I want to do is take the. I feel I feel way more comfortable around the fourth graders to sixth graders. So I think that we should do that. 
organize a paintball game with them. I mean, you could. That's a fine. I'm not trying to make you take the men's retreat. <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to pull here, Jared. I almost said your last name, but it it was just there. There were a couple of opportunities to kind of get to know some people that I didn't know. Yeah. So that was always good because the people that I got to know last year at the men's retreat, I'm closer with this year. So. Oh, I see. How do you how do you find time to fit so many friends into your life? I don't really have very many friends. I just have a lot of acquaintances. Oh, okay. Is that on purpose, or is that just how it is? Uh, that's just kind of how it is. I have, I have like you and Adam and a couple other people. That I would say, yeah, they're my friends, but <laughs> you would say it like that, like derisively. Yeah, they're my friends. Well, they're my, they're my friends. I, I put the emphasis on the wrong word. They're my friends. They fool me, Jerry. Kind of not my friend. What was the last but, thing you said? But if they want to be my friend, they can be. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Do you have a lot of close friends? Oh, no. No. Miss Jacqueline. That's about it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> she's she's my closest. I got a couple, uh, I got a couple, but well, yeah, I got a couple buddies here and then you and a couple buddies from college and that's it. <laughs> You're not in that group of a couple buddies from college. Like, you're no. from college, but you're not a buddy from college. No, but it's something like if somebody says, how do you know them? You don't really go into the long explanation. I'm just like, I went to college with Andy. No, I basically say, we did the, we're doing this podcast together. And they say, yeah, right, but before that. And I say, that's it. You're like, there is no before. That, that's it, the podcast. That's our life. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we're going to need some more sponsors. <laughs> Well, that's true. Yeah, is that is that a segue? Oh no, because I no. had to, I I have another thing I want to ask you. No, it wasn't a segue. I guess it could have been. It could have been if I was up to the challenge. But I want to ask you a question. Have you heard of this Young Living Essential Oils thing? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I don't know why you're laughing. Well, I don't know where it's so random. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. First of all. They're essential, so everybody has to need them, right? They Everyone needs them, right? It's really not even up for debate. Okay, right. So, obviously, you, you need them, and you have them, or else you'd be dead. I don't have them. Okay, well, then they, they're maybe not that essential for your body type, depending yeah. on your DNA test. Well, I take a lot of vitamins, so. Oh, well, that, that's probably it. Okay, so what, what is your feeling about these things? Is it is it a fad? Is it a is it a, a homeschool thing? Is it a Christian thing? <laughs> like what kind? Where is this coming from? What is this nonsense? I I just think it's something that people like, and some people like to use, and and this is so random, Andy. <laughs> this is it's it's invading my life, and I don't like this. Well, talk to me about it then, because I'm really at a loss. Okay, this this. My mom is into it. It's not not full blown into it, but she was very nice, and she offered to to get us some sort of starter pack or something with the the oils. The, they smell good, but if you look in the book, okay, it says that they're good for you know such and such. And but if you look at the wording carefully on these things, it says that most of these oils were studied for their positive effects. Okay, so what that tells me, 
Like, <laughs> if I'm supposed to read that, I'm supposed to be, oh, these are all good things. They help you scientifically. They were studied. No. It says most. That means not all of them. So a majority of them were studied. That means they did their due diligence on some of them for positive effects. But it doesn't tell me that they actually have any positive effects. It just says that, well, we looked into it. Mm -hmm. And that's it. So, you know, reading this manual a little bit more, you know, such and such is good for top topical. You can ingest this one. This is good to rub on your feet, you know, because your feet is where you absorb all this. I don't know. I don't know. First of all, I don't absorb anything with my feet. That's why I wear socks. And I feel like most people don't absorb stuff through their feet because that's why they wear socks. Isn't socks to keep our feet less stinky because they sweat? Uh, I, I don't know. I absorb a lot of things through my feet, so... What are you talking... What? what? <laughs> are your feet giant sponges? Yeah, I mean, like, I just usually set my food on the floor and I stand on it. <laughs> <laughs> They're like giant butterfly siphons. Well, you saw me trying to eat those chicken wings. <laughs> What? With my toes. <laughs> okay, so that's my first problem with this, okay? It's all, like, clever marketing and, like, just maybe I'm just super skeptical and cynical. And so I'm, I'm looking at this saying, they clearly said nothing. They clearly said... So the other thing is, like, $22 for a bottle that is .17 ounces. Whoa, really? Point one seven ounces. Not even a full ounce. A little, not even one-fifth of an ounce. Whoa. Yeah. It smells good, but am I, am I going to live forever now? Well, I don't know. What's it tell you it's going to do for you? I don't know. It's peppermint. Peppermint's good for everything. Rub peppermint on your neck. Rub lemon on your neck. Okay, let me, okay, so... There's stories behind all these. Thieves' oil. During the bubonic plague, they used to rub this oil on themselves and loot houses where the people died. And they never got sick. So, obviously, you want this one. What? what? That's it. That's the story behind it. That's the one that the disinfectant one. Uh, so, it's supposed to help you loot houses? Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's what it's essential to do this. Well, get me some of that, then. <laughs> if I put this on, I can loot a house and nothing bad will happen. And I don't okay. have to wear socks when I do it. All right, so then, then, Jackie's reading this book to me, okay? And it says if you're going to massage somebody, like, with this oil or whatever, um, make sure you put Angelica, one drop of Angelica on each of your shoulders, white Angelicum or something, <laughs> To protect you from the negative energy. Okay. Am I'm supposed to think that these are scientifically proven to help with whatever they're listing in the book. And then it's telling me to make sure that I'm protecting myself from negative energy while I'm massaging someone else. <laughs> this is not a good sales tactic at all, right? It must be. <sighs> they're selling lots. I told Jackie, I was like, look, just, if you're buying this to be nice, that sounds good. If it smells good, that sounds good too. I like smell goody things, smelly good things, 
but you know, don't waste a whole lot of money on this nonsense. Hmm, what am I going to do? Am I going to buy 0.17 ounces of peppermint for 20 bucks or a bottle of ibuprofen for $5? You know, if it's supposed yeah. to help with headaches or whatever. Is is your mom selling this? I don't know if she's selling it. I don't know. I don't know. But mm. she's, she's the one that bought it for us. And I don't know how to tell my mom that it's like this is ridiculous. Well, if it's a, but you wouldn't tell her if she gets you another gift that something's a gift is ridiculous, right? Um, you know, like a good son wouldn't. Is that what you mean? Well, yeah. I mean, she's basically that's what I'm trying to get to is if she's just giving it to you as a gift, right? Then you say thank you. I appreciate this gift. Thank you for your Ouija board and sorcerer's <laughs> potions. There you go. And you, keep, you keep your social work face on. And your you social smile. work face. Remember I told you about that? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Because we've gotten some, we have never been given oils, but you know what it's like. Everybody has that one ant that gives crap and you're like, oh, I've always wanted this. You know, you know what? That's kind of yeah. I kind of do that. Do you? I don't. I don't know if I've told you this, but like I have a like. We don't put up crosses in our house, you know. Well, because you have the oils. <laughs> <laughs> right. You just made my day. <laughs> right, but like you know, you go into somebody's house, like <laughs> maybe you go to church with them, and there's like crosses hanging everywhere, just mm-hmm. as decorations. Like, I think what I'm going to do is put up, like, a you know, a picture of an electric chair and then one of, like, a, an Uzi and then, like, one of a, a lethal injection, you know. Why? Because they're all methods of, of uh, execution. Well, yeah, but the cross doesn't always have to symbolize that. In many ways, it symbolizes wonderful things. It could. It could. But I think it's it's stupid as a decoration, is my opinion. Well, it's – have you checked your church? Have I checked my church? <laughs> it seems like all right. There is one cross at the church, and it no, there's two, and it seems it seems like it's an appropriate place <laughs> for an execution type article to be up. <laughs> hey, you know what? You, you make a good point, but of course I do. But I'm not. <laughs> there's that narcissism again. <laughs> I'm not gonna say it otherwise. <laughs> All right, well, I just wanted to know, because, I mean, we had somebody, Jackie told me that somebody told her, like, oh, these are even Bible times. I was like, just because your little bottle says frankincense, and that was one of the things they gave to Jesus when he was born, that does not mean that this is some sort of holy panacea. Well, if you can get me some myrrh, then we'll talk, you know? (laughs) Give me some gold! (laughs) There we go. Liquid gold! Exactly. I mean, I'll put any kind of oil on myself if you give me some gold. (laughs) What a deal is that? Hey, uh, I'm going to go ahead and put any oil you want on me <laughs> if you give me gold. Now it just sounds inappropriate. <laughs> 10W40, 5W30, whatever. <laughs> they used it in the Bible times. <laughs> right, yeah. Petrol. That... Yeah, I mean, how do you think they got the camels to go? So I... <laughs> what do you think's in that hump? <laughs> it's oil. <laughs> it's oil. <laughs> You gotta grease the <laughs> whatever, whatever. Okay, so I had the opportunity to to watch Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade in the theater. 
Whoa, you're you got to work on these transitions, Andy. I'm just <laughs> I'm done with that other topic. <laughs> this well, I wasn't. I wanted to know if you've used any. Oh yeah, she rubbed my foot. You know, she said. Well, See, this is this is how Jackie did it, and I'm. You know, I love this girl. She's fantastic. So she said, okay, I want to know if this works. So I have a, this sore on my foot. Actually, I have a condition, if you must know. <laughs> um, and so she's rubbing my foot, and then um, so she's doing it, like, every day just to see if it changes and affects anything. She says, well, if it changes, you know, then it's working. I said, yeah, absolutely. I had to explain to her the placebo effect as well. For yeah. my daughter, it's like, oh, my head. One of my daughters gets headaches a lot. Probably because she runs around like a crazy person and doesn't drink enough water. But, you know, we'll, we'll try the potions. Sure. Sure. So, anyway, that that is the extent of me trying it. Actually, I put a drop, one drop of peppermint into a glass of a drink I was drinking last night. Mm-hmm. And it definitely ruined it. It was like, holy moly. These things are super duper concentrated. Well, are you able to just have like a stick of peppermint gum? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was drinking a glass of bourbon. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, as you know, I can take strong flavors. Maybe it doesn't work as much when you're drunk. <laughs> I wasn't drunk. Just say it. I knew I knew something. You were going to say something. You did so good. You stayed sober the whole time you were up here. I did. So, I don't get Unless you had like a flask in your in the guest room. I did not have any flask or anything with me in the guest room. Well, I mean, on the way here, your car kind of rolled off the side of the road. I thought that was suspicious. That's true, man. Yeah. That, I thought that was suspicious, too. You know I haven't had any problems since. And everybody I've talked to said, oh, well, it's it's definitely the alternator. And I was like, well, I got it checked twice. Well, but the guy that fixed it for you, he said, sometimes it just happens. <laughs> he wasn't even paying attention. He's like, I'm going to go over here and smoke my cigarette. While I'm fixing your car. Right. <laughs> next to the <laughs> gas can. <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> I'm allergic to smoke. <laughs> uh, whatever. Whatever. Okay. So you watched a movie in a theater. Right, yeah, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. So that came out in what, like 89 or something like that? A long time ago. Yeah, it was fantastic. I, I took Jackie. She had never seen it before. Uh-huh. So anyway, seeing a movie that you love from your childhood in the theater that you never would have gotten the chance to see it, it was, it was very fun. As long as it stands up. Oh, it, I mean, you know, yeah, I think it did. Yeah. Did it? Yeah. Have you ever seen this movie? Yeah, but I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Do you, you don't like the Indiana Jones movies? Oh, no, it's not that I don't like them. It's just, it's, I just haven't seen it forever. Ever. Oh, okay. It's like, um, I remember Eric and I watched Never Ending Story oh, in boy. college. Oh, that's a scary movie. Holy cow. When I was a kid, it was very scary, but it was an amazing movie. As a college kid, it's stupid, it's not scary at all, and I can't believe I wasted my time on it. It's like The Matrix. The guy has to go see the Oracle, right? Uh, I don't even remember. And doesn't his horse get swallowed up by, like, uh, by... Uh, uh, the mud. Yeah. That 
like the tar. You know, for work, I had to look through. This is here's a segue. For work, I had to start to look through fatality OSHA reports. Oh. These, it's some of these people die in the saddest ways at work. That's sad. They got engulfed in a truck full of cotton seed. Whoa. Yeah. Somebody died at Office Depot just falling off a ladder. Not Office, at Office Depot. Depot? Not, uh, no, not Office Depot. Home Depot. My bad. Oh. Yeah. Man. I was like, man, oh, man. I was like, I can't read many more of these. I'm going to get depressed. That's no fun. Yeah. No. What a downer. So, this is Marvel 616 Politics. What? A comic book podcast. And we got a special show for you tonight. We are sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Go there. Check out their site. Pre-order all of your 616 comic books. Maybe even your six, your, your, your 1016. I don't know. I don't care. Do what you need to do. Is it 1610? What did I say? I, so, yes. Ah. Anyway, that's going to be ending soon, so don't even worry about it. There but you, you can go there, and if you pre-order your single issues, and actually you can get trades there, you can get them to 40% off. Now, they, they tell us to say 20 to 40% off because it's not 40% off all the publishers, but the ones you care about, listener of Marvel 616 Politics, it's 40% off, if not more. So it's fantastic. And why would we listen to what the sponsor wants us to say anyways? <laughs> it's not like they're paying for this. Ooh. Yeah, so 20 to 40% off. <laughs> We're also sponsored by Community Retail Partnership. www.crpsavings.com They are a membership-based program that gives you a discount on all of your purchases from Office Depot, where no one has ever died. No one died there. No one died at Office Depot. Right. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so by purchasing the membership at crpsavings.com for $39, you'll get a discount membership, kind of like a Costco card or a Sam's Club card. And everything you purchase through Office Depot online or in the stores is going to be significantly discounted for you. So whether you want K-cups or paper or pens or computers, um, chairs, Whatever you want, it's going to be cheaper for you. So definitely check them out. Uh, Community Retail Partnership, www.crpsavings.com. And then we're also sponsored by Michael Web Solutions. MichaelWebSolutions.com is your one-stop shop for all of your internet-based needs. Whether you need a website designed or you need help with marketing your business or you need help promoting your Facebook page, Michael Web Solutions is the place for you. It certainly is. And you can email us at marvel616politics at gmail.com. You can blah, blah, blah. What did, what's, what, I, I'm totally lost. It. Oh, visit. <laughs> <laughs> Too much bourbon. I'm sorry. Go to our website. Recently renewed domain, <laughs> marvel616politics.com. And, of course, follow us on Twitter at 616politics. You can also look up, up on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Marvel616Politics. You can give us a call and leave us a message with a voicemail that will play on the air at 616-755-TINA. You can also look us up on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter, which you, I think, already said. <laughs> That's true. All right, speaking of voicemails, we're going to hit one right now. We had one 
Came in a little bit late. Sorry, Stan, but uh, we're going to go for it now. Hey there, hi there, ho there, body politic. It's me, not Stan Lee, your favorite regular guest on the M6P podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for our first ever live podcast here at the Gem City Comic Con. Now, we know that kooky Kevin McVicker and Jubilant John Dermeen are the folks you really wanted to see today, and we're mighty sorry to disappoint. But Andy, Jared, and Darren are doing their very best to show you a good time. So try to make your applause seem sincere and, you know, limit yourself to throwing only one or at most two rotten tomatoes at them. Now, enjoy the rest of the show, true believers. Excelsior! That not Stan Lee. He cracks me up. No, he's I'm going to just... dock his pay. He's just getting more senile the older he gets. He is getting more senile. I think it's uh, I think it's pretty rude for him to just go ahead and assume that people didn't come to see us. I mean, well, come they on. definitely wouldn't come to see Kevin McVicker and John Dermine. <laughs> wow, duh. Oh, uh, I wish Darren could have made it. That's such a sad thing. Yeah, I texted him and I, I was like, "We missed you, buddy." And he uh, texted me probably like five days later. He's like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, he Facebooked me. He said that he just was really, he felt the worst about not meeting you. Because he said, you know, he you're like the other guy of M6P and he's never even met you. Wait a minute, I thought he was the other guy. Well, What's I going mean, on here? You and I are the, I mean, you and I are the draw. Oh, <laughs> right, right, right. No, I really wanted to meet him too. That's a shame. That's a shame. But not McVicker. <laughs> Yeah, I was happy. Oh, you know what? You know what was very interesting that we probably didn't talk about last week because we were live and we didn't want to toot our own horn? Well, um, we did talk about Harley Davidson, Harley Quinn. What? No? No, Not I me. was going to say we saw another podcast there who I can't remember, and <laughs> they said they knew us. They said they heard about us. Yeah. But they were there, like, video filming and everything, and they, you know, they had this, they were taking pictures of us, you know. What? could have been us it, it could have been but it wasn't well i mean but that was the plan that darren had a videographer coming and it was going to be like super professional yeah you guys are just going to have to come down to new orleans wizard and so we'll People do that get killed in new orleans all the time that's true but not at the comic-con i don't think because oh. see like the dayton gem city comic-con isn't really in dayton right no it's at the nutter center yeah, so you're not going to get killed there. Right. Sure. I don't but, know. Reading those OSHA reports, man. It's not Home Depot. <laughs> All right. you want, Let's do our special report. I am really excited to talk about this. Stand by for the bumper. Special report. Okay. Our special report, of course of course, is about the Netflix Daredevil TV series. Have Daredevil. you have you watched this thing? Yeah, I watched it Friday night and Saturday night that it came out. Okay, you texted me and you said you felt like a failure. Why? Oh, well, do we need to start off with the bad parts? <laughs> <laughs> Why in the world would you feel like a failure? Oh, well, because I couldn't accomplish my goal. Of, of watching it all in one day? 
Yes, I had a you know, appointments and <sighs> had to go. Why make couldn't I be more of a sloth? Why? I know, I know. I had it all worked out, and then I was like, "Oh, I have an opportunity to make some money," and so I did. And, uh, yeah. Well, do you want to talk about your your movie that you are uh, starring in, or no? You oh, allowed, are you allowed to talk I'm about? Allowed it? to now. Are you? Yeah, I'm allowed. Okay, lay it on me, and then we'll hit Daredevil because obviously that takes a backseat to to you in a movie. I got to be a stand-in in the movie I Am Wrath. And that is a movie that filmed in Columbus, Ohio, starring John Travolta and Christopher Maloney. And um, I was a stand-in for Christopher Maloney and um, another guy whose name is escaping me right now. But he is on True Blood. <laughs> okay, so I'm confused. A stand-in has to be like the right same proportions and everything. And that's why you're really ripped, right? That's what I, I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm built like Chris Maloney. Right, said so no one ever. he has hair like you? Because, I mean, you know, your He's hair. He's bald. Okay. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I'm getting at here. No, I don't understand. Stand-in. Were you the a best stand-in? A stand-in is a similar height and a similar frame. Okay. So um, we're about the same height. He's wider than I am, but we're about the same height. Same with the guy from True Blood. He's thinner, so he's about my 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 proportions. He's probably whiter than you are too, because of vampire. You know, very pale. Uh, he was actually pretty tan. Oh. oh, I forget his name. I really need to, you know, if I'm going to use this on my acting resume, I kind of need to know who I'm standing in for. You you're pretty tan though, though, though too, though. But when my when my self tanner's full, yeah. When your self tanner's full, I don't know what that is. Anyways, is that an oh. oil? Is that an essential oil? It's not essential. Okay. <laughs> no, it's not because I don't have it. <laughs> so it was cool. It was the, the stand-in basically just stands in when the actors are in their trailers or can't be bothered. And we stand in and they get the lighting and the angles and the camera directions all all set up. And then we get out of the shot and the professionals come in. So if I may ask, what pays more, the stand-in or the running for your life next to the hot dog stand? Uh, I found out they pay the same. Oh, interesting. Which was easier and which was more fun? Oh, definitely running around was more fun because this one. Dropping your Uno cards everywhere. Oh, oh, please don't fire me. I was trying to get Uno an endorsement. Yeah. Yeah, definitely uh, being in Cap and Avengers was a lot more fun. Gotcha. Oh, wait, well, you, you were in Cap? I thought you were in that freezer thing. Freezer burn. <laughs> and then Avengers was originally, it was labeled group hug. What? That's mm-hmm. terrible. That's horrible. No, if you look at all of them, like um, Iron Man 3 was called Caged Heat. Caged Heat. That's terrible, too. Because they all got all the extremists, you know. Sure. All, all the movies, they all... Go back to uh, something in the movie. Mm. Mm. So, but it was cool. John Travolta was awesome. He was a really nice guy. Um, you he met was him. Like, um, he went to say hello to me, and then saw twins and turned his head and started talking to them instead. <laughs> so, but he did look at me. He made eye contact. Twin guys or girls? Is that what you're trying to get at, or no? Twin girls. Okay. Right. Who were also in uh, Captain America Winter Soldier with me. Oh. And um, it's a it was small cool. world. 
But John Travolta was like, you know, within two or three feet, and he's very hands-on, uh, very polite, made chit-chat with everybody in the room, uh, just super involved with the whole character that he was being, his motivations, how things should be. It, it definitely wasn't just the actor shows up, does what the director says, and then leaves. Huh. So that was cool. Man, I wish you got to talk to him about Punisher, because we just watched that. Yeah, that would have been awesome. But I didn't get to. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe next I time. I just at least even met the guys that I was a stand-in for. Like, hello, I'm your stand-in, but nothing. Right. Yeah, well, actors. <laughs> uh, they, they probably didn't even know who I was. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this guy standing in my spot? He's, he's your stand-in. Right, yeah. Get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Daredevil. All right, yesterday it got renewed for season two. Hallelujah, that's awesome. That's fantastic. So I came up with some questions specifically to ask you. I don't know if you came up with questions. Maybe it didn't make that clear. But I have some questions that I want your thoughts upon. Well, I kind of wanted to know what your overall general impression was. Okay, all right. Well, let's start with that, yes. Uh, It is extremely dark, extremely violent, uh, but very well done. High production quality. I was impressed. It was, it was very artistic, um, and I couldn't get over that. It was probably one of the best shot Marvel movies, uh, like out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, including the movies. It was probably shot the best out of everything. Well, that's pretty big. Yeah, I I couldn't believe it. Um, the, there were some there were some episodes where I, I didn't care for the directing and I didn't care for some of the the choices of uh, the editing and the cuts and stuff. Um, Foggy had to grow on me, and I don't know if his character changed as he went, if he got more comfortable with his character, or if uh, I just got used to him. I'm not sure. Um, We'll go into a little bit more of what I think on some some of these other things, but overall, I thought it was amazing. Um, some of it was is difficult to watch for me. Um, the hopelessness, uh, the defenselessness, um, that that stuff kind of gets to me. But man, I heard I heard a couple other people talk, and I'm I'm gonna just say what they said too. So this isn't come from me, but. One of the things that did stick out, it was mentioned to me, and I have to agree with it, is violence in this series actually mattered because it had consequences. So, mm-hmm. like, if he got hurt in one episode, he was hurt the next episode and maybe even the next episode. And so it wasn't just like, oh, I fought a million Chitauri and I'm fine, you know? And it's 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 going to be a lot different than the Age of Ultron movie, you know? Yeah. So... What was your overall impression? Uh, I was kind of bummed. <laughs> I think it was like me and maybe three other people in the world that didn't really care for it. What? Really? <laughs> this is... Are you serious? Like, yeah. I don't disagree with you. At, that, that You know, you can have that opinion, but I'm just blown away that I didn't pick up on this sooner. I thought I texted you. No, I, I don't okay. think so. Well, I think I think the first problem was how I approached it, and that's all on me because I approached it from the job of running Marvel 616 politics in that 
I had to watch it like a job before anybody could post spoilers and stuff. Sure. So, you know, I went to the gym Friday morning. I raced home. I watched an episode. I ran out and did my appointments. And I came back here and I just I, I put the bowl chair in front of the TV and I sat and I just watched it. So I think it was hard for me to enjoy it because of the whole pretense I had put myself under. Okay. It wasn't to just enjoy it. It was, you're watching this because you have to get it done. And that's just no fun. You know, sometimes when, um, sometimes I feel that way about the movies. When we're going to record and I haven't had a chance to get to the movie and it's going to be crowded and I'm trying mm-hmm. to, you know, juggle my schedule with Miss Jacqueline, trying to get her to see it and not leave her out if she wants to. There's yeah. so many people at church that want to see this movie with me, uh, and they're all opening night people, and I'm not. So I, I do understand <laughs> that. Yeah. So to do that to yourself, to for me to do that to myself for a 13-hour stretch, you know, I think I sucked some of the joy out of it on my own. Okay. All right. Now, um, can you... Hmm? Can you give an objective opinion about it if you took that away? Well, I, Jennifer hasn't seen it, so we're going to go through it together and okay. watch it on a slower basis. But I guess what I can say is during my time watching it, I felt felt like there was a ton of filler, uh, just so much. I, and I think maybe that was part of my problem, too, was that my I was just waiting for us to get to the costume. So that Daredevil could be Daredevil. Because my Daredevil isn't this guy in a black ninja outfit and a bandana on his head. You know? So I just kept thinking, it's coming, it's coming. And for it to not come until episode 13, the last 10 minutes, like, oh, no, now it's over. (laughs) Wow, dude. Yeah, we... Go ahead. We approach this completely differently. So I think that's part of the problem is you have to have... It's your approach, you know? Um, I've never been into the Marvel Knights books, you know, I've met Punisher, Daredevil, Ghost Rider, uh, Luke Cage, Iron Fist. Those guys have never, ever been, I've got to read those books. You know, that's always been your thing. And that's what you've always kind of represented when we do the podcast and we talk and stuff. So for it to basically be like a Marvel Knights book, but over 13 hours, you know, that was that was difficult. Uh, Jennifer and I don't watch the crime drama shows. And this was a crime drama show is exactly what it was. Um, and I hated Foggy. I could not stand <laughs> Foggy. Oh, my God. I was like, just kill him off. <laughs> now, do you know any of the background? Like when characters showed up, did you say, oh, I know that person? And- oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I knew all this. Like, I know all the stuff from the books. I just don't read them. You know, I'm more of a have a generalization about who people are and what's going on and stuff. Do you though? Cause I think, that, I think you got a lot of questions wrong in our trivia game. Andy, it <laughs> wasn't about Daredevil. <laughs> you have to admit you got like the super easiest Dumbo <laughs> questions. And then I would get what color were red skull socks in captain America, 425. <laughs> and then yours is like, what color is red skull skull? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Oh man, I'm gonna rib you about it forever just because just because you care. <laughs> but you know I should have won some of those. See, <laughs> see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
All right, listeners, he said the word some. He should have won at least some. Because <laughs> <laughs> we played, how many did we play? Three? Uh, Yeah, three or four. Yeah. played three, and you won two, and I won one. No, we played four, including the one with Jennifer, right? Oh. So did you win three? I think so. Oh. Yeah. Well, Lottie freaking die. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Okay, so I have uh, I have some questions now. Maybe these I don't know if these are gonna. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you say I don't care. Who knows? But I have some questions about what you think. Some of the details. Some speculation. Obviously. So you know how they were always talking about Owsley's son. Yeah. All right. First of all, I thought it was so cool that they brought him in. Uh, I I've always liked the owl as a character. Um, I thought he's he's behind the scenes menacing. I didn't make the connection right away, and I don't think they said his name right away. But as soon as they said Leland for the first time, I was like, oh, that's the owl. That's so cool. <laughs> um, but you know, they said, do you have a son? He says, you know, I do. So who do you think? I thought it was Wesley, but then when he got killed, they still said, well, I'm gonna go and. You know, with my son and retire to some island. Who who's his son? Okay, here's my theory. Okay, uh, in the comics, Al does not have a son. But if you look at how he was portrayed in the movie, he's really nothing like the Al from the comic books. Okay. okay. In the movie, they refer to his son. His name is Lee. So what I think is going to happen is that his son is actually going to be the owl. And that Owsley, um, you know, Owsley has passed on, he's died. So this kind of gives his son the motivation to hate Kingpin, hate Daredevil, be in the crime syndicate, and have a wealth of money coming to him from his father's death and something that he has to avenge uh, being against kingpin and daredevil who who, so I believe who called son. him lee uh it was when one of the episodes oh it was in there okay all right yes. so that's what i think is that we really didn't see the owl that we'll probably see the owl next season and it'll be his son oh i like that theory i like it a lot well done okay all right so uh what about karen's past <laughs> they kept alluding to karen's past i have a theory about this but what do you think Oh, well, then why don't you tell me your theory? Well, they kept... uh, Ben Urich was checking up on her to make sure that she was credible and what she was talking about. And so he said, oh, I found, you know, such and such. If I came out about this, you know, that would really hurt your credibility. Um, Do you think it's heavy drug use? Because I know in the comics she had a, a heroin problem, right? Yeah, she had a heroin problem. She did adult movies and she... You know, Mysterio made her think that she had HIV. It was, it was like very, very dark for Karen. Oh, I thought that, I didn't know she did adult movies. Maybe that's what they're talking about. I, I mean, I think it could probably be just an allusion to all the. I mean, Karen just has had a. She had a rough, rough time in the comics. Hmm. How long was she in the comics? I mean, until she was killed. Um. She. Oh gosh, I want to say maybe she died, late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, by Frank Miller, right? <coughs> I believe so. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure how long she had been in because I started reading Daredevil with the Kevin Smith Caseta run 
Casada. Uh, what is that? Guardian Devil. The when Marvel Knights first started. Okay, I don't know. Okay, I don't know. All right. I'm sorry. Right, right before Bendis. Right before Bendis and Mac. But I do know that I mean Karen had been around for a while. She didn't just appear out of the blue because she, you know, she was dating Foggy for a while and then Matt and back and forth and so she wasn't just like a, a show up character, get involved in drugs, adult movies, and then die. Sure. Right. All right. Um, what do you th- what do you think about the costume? Hated it. Really? The, the... Oh, it was like a red version of Batman. <laughs> it was awful. So disappointed. That that was just like the icing on the cake Does after it... 13 hours. Did it look like costume. the 2099 costume? I didn't think so. Oh, okay. All right. For some reason, the black and the red. Maybe, maybe it's not the 2099, but did uh, he have a black and red alternating? He had the armored costume oh. in the 90s. Yeah. He had the black and silver and red costume. Man, I, I was not a fan of the costume when they finally got put it on. That, then that's what I'm saying. You know, after 13 hours waiting for this, and then you're like, huge letdown. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, if they had somehow made it, like the opening credit scene, was amazing. It was fantastic. That's so good. And I'm not sure what the dripping had to do with anything. You it know was how blood, I assume what. I assumed it was blood. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> um, but, like, when they showed his back and the horns, like, the horns went up in the opening credits, but these on the costume just went flat out, right? Yeah. The costume wasn't that good, and the last fight scene wasn't that good. I think that the last episode was the weakest episode by far. And... Go what? Go ahead. And the fight scene was bad. It was anticlimactic. Um, them taking the camera shots of him using putting his billy clubs back into their holster like two or three times, just unnecessary. I like the buildup of using the billy clubs because he used the wooden poles in the in the couple episodes before that, and he was getting used to them. And so you know he he put that in there, but it was I was fine with him staying in the black costume to be honest with you, because as soon as he went to that. Yes, they made it functional, and yes, they built the case for armor, but it just didn't it didn't look right. And, and I really was getting nervous because in the promo pictures, even the one on Netflix, I wasn't happy with it. It looked like he was too small of a frame in a big costume. Like, it was, he was off-center in the costume. I don't mm-hmm. know if you can see, like, what I'm talking about in his head. It looks like his head is slightly to the left <laughs> and the costume is slightly to the right it, it was it's very weird <clears throat> well i think about do you remember what arlen schumer had told us about the, the costumes when we were talking with him sort of what specifically well he he was kind of talking about hawkeye he said, oh yeah you know, yeah he said that whether people want to make the movies and realistic or not that's not what comic books are and that that's not what they do. You know, Hawkeye wears a purple mask and purple and blue. And that's what he wears. And when you see him with purple sunglasses and black leather, that's just not Hawkeye. And and he's absolutely right. I, uh, he was totally right when he said that. 
Uh, well, I mean, he's right with most of the stuff he said, but just take the comic book medium, take the visual, the iconic visual, and just put it on TV and put it in the movies. It's really not that difficult. There's no reason that we have to try and figure out how would this work in the real world. This is a comic book. This is a world where there's a 10-foot green monster that runs around and aliens that fly through the sky and and people that take serums that make them not age. Now, but, I, I mean, I, I, I agree with what you're saying, but this is really kind of what sets it apart from the other comic book shows. Like, we... We went back, and after Daredevil, we were catching up on Flash, we were catching up on Green Arrow, and we were catching up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and man, they just feel completely different. They feel like child's play compared to this Daredevil show. But even their costumes aren't aren't direct adaptations. That's true, that's true. But I'm talking about the idea of trying to, to make it more believable in the real world. I think that you do need some of that um, if you don't want it to feel campy or too extraordinary so that the the character is more relatable. I mean, I see that, but Daredevil still exists in a world where there's a character called the Hulk. (laughs) That's true, and they did do a very good job of, of, of integrating the rest of the cinematic U. So, I mean, he's there, and you know it's inevitable that down the lines... You know whether it's in the Defenders or they show up in Infinity War, that Daredevil's probably going to show up alongside a character like Hulk and a guy with long blonde hair that calls himself a god with a hammer and somebody that got bit by a spider and has spider powers. You know, <laughs> so it, it's gonna—they're gonna have to coexist. I—I I bet you what they're gonna do is look at fan reaction and <laughs> for. For the second season, they're probably going to change the costume a little bit. They're probably not just going to use the right, the same one, unless they pick up immediately where they left off. But if they do, okay, he's been working for a couple of weeks or a couple of months out on the streets and the in the and building a reputation. There's a case for him to change his costume. Well, hopefully, you know, we'll see the evolution of Gladiator, and he'll be there, and he'll have his costume, and he'll have maybe made some upgrades to Daredevil or something. Is Gladiator the guy who made the costume? He is. Yeah. I thought that was that. That's not the Tinkerer or anything. What, what's no? Nope. Okay. All right. When I heard no. when I heard his name, I just thought that that his name was the. What's it? What was the guy's name? Melvin Potter. Melvin Potter. Who's the Tinkerer? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Off the top of my head, I'm not sure. Okay. But yeah, if you look at if you watch that episode where he's doing that stuff. You'll see a couple references to the saw blades that Gladiator has in the comic books. Oh, okay. You see the Stilt Man costume in the back, and hmm, you have to go back and watch that one. Yeah, I will. Um, what do you think is going on with Stick? I thought they were going to follow up on that, but they never did. I, I think it's fairly obvious at this point, but but um, how far do you think it goes? We, that was the kind of a disappointment, too, is Stick, I mean, that whole episode was just kind of filler. It didn't really advance much of the show. Stick showed up for one episode and was gone. There really was no talk about him afterwards or before. We could have done without that whole episode, I think. Well, I th- I'm pretty sure it definitely sets up subplots for the entire four series, you know, and then the Defenders movie. 
Because, I mean, like, he he was obviously talking to somebody from Kunlun. Yeah, they said that was probably Stone. Okay. The, the last That last frame. Yeah. And Madame Gao, she's obviously from Kunlun as well. Yeah, but she was throughout the whole episode, throughout the whole series. Right, but so. it kind of brought into, like, well, this is why I was training you for this war to come, but you don't even know about it here, you know? I, I think so. I think it advanced the plot of all the what they're trying to do with the Netflix series, not necessarily this one. But I mean, we see subplots in comics all the time. Sure. Sure. <laughs> it's it just sure. It, to me, it was just the whole episode. I was like, "Oh, okay, Stick is gone, and we'll never see him again." Okay. Yeah, but it also gave you a little bit more insight into the origin of of Matt Murdock, right? Yeah, it did. Did you? Somebody pointed out to me today. I didn't know this. Did you see that it was the orphanage he was in is the same one that Sky was dropped off to? I know Saint Agnes. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, I thought that was great because I want to keep telling it to Jennifer because we're watching Agents of Shield, but she hasn't seen Daredevil yet. Well, you can tell her that part. No, <clears throat> I want to be surprised. Is she gonna pick up on it? You're gonna have to tell her anyway. Yes, but then when it comes on, I'm like, and guess where Sky's from? Then I sound really smart. Oh, I see. You know, I'm always trying to impress my woman, too. Exactly. She's like, oh, you're so smart. Really, she's like, what a nerd. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. Kiss me. Turn off the TV. Ah. We just have different guys and women. That's a whole other podcast right there. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Every time I'm watching a show with Jackie, I'm like, oh, I bet you this is the guy that does this. And she's like, right. You didn't, you, did you just figure that out? I'm like, you oh, know what? no. Yeah. Yeah. She's a smarty. She is. She's, uh, I always call her Nancy Drew. I'm like, good job, Detective Drew. <laughs> um, okay, so what do you think about the, the character of the Kingpin? How he was portrayed. I thought the Kingpin was probably the best part of the whole show. Really? Um, outside of his wiggly fingers, <laughs> <laughs> I thought the Kingpin was excellent. I, that was Wilson Fisk to me. Really? Because I thought the total opposite. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's the one piece of the puzzle that I was like, I don't know if I buy this. Like, I buy that Foggy's over the top like this, very emotional, like says anything he is feeling, whether appropriate or not. Um, but is the Kingpin this weak? Is the Kingpin second-guessing himself this much? Is this the Kingpin I know? But, again, I've been talking to a lot of people about this. It was pointed out to me by a buddy of mine that maybe we are seeing the origin story of the kingpin and so if he arrives through these events to be the kingpin that i that i know and admittedly it's from the 1990s spider-man series that's what i'm basing this all off of very confident you know have no never second guesses himself always in control very refined that's what threw me off like he never picked the wine he didn't know that much about you know, culture, um, and different things. He, he had, you know, he knew different languages, but he felt very needy. He felt like he was still conquering his childhood issues. Um, 
and not having them already conquered and grown and and arrived from it. You know what I mean? So that was difficult for me. And to see him vulnerable and in love or in a romantic setting was was very uncomfortable for me because uh, this this is going to sound ridiculous, but here is somebody who is supposed to, in my mind, have everything figured out and who has backup plan after backup plan but probably doesn't need them because it's going to work. And here he's opening himself up and he's very scared of what this other person thinks of him and he's letting himself get distracted. It, it, was, it was a real different take. Well, I guess you do have some points. I was, I I mean, I definitely would have been fine if he was more of the animated Spider-Man from the 90s, you know? He could have easily been another 400 pounds, (laughs) (laughs) and he could have worn the white overcoat and the purple ascot that they talked about. Did you catch that line? (laughs) Yeah. I thought that was funny. But uh, we do get to see him in white at the end, you know, when he's in jail. That's true. It was I, very kingpinish there. I thought I thought the picture thing was great. Um, I thought staring at the wall. Uh, the only thing is it 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 didn't have as much of an impact. Like if he was forced to stare at the wall a lot, um, it would make more sense. But he was forced to stare at the wall one time, and that's when a traumatic thing happened to him. I want you to stare at this wall and figure out what kind of man you're gonna be, or what kind of man you want to be, and then. You know, he decided what kind of man he was going to be right at that instance. Man, that that scene was so hard to watch. It made me cringe so much. First of all, the wife getting beat up and the sounds and noises. And secondly, not just the visuals, but which are gross, but him losing it and saying kick him again kick him again it was hard enough to watch the dad force his kid to kick this other guy over and over and over again because you're like well what would i do and be you know like it's your dad who's setting your standards for right and wrong and he's telling you it's right to kick this kid over and over and over again and so that was difficult but then when he tied it back to like you made me do this and i'm gonna make sure and i'm still like I felt like every time he hit him with a hammer, he was still seeking his father's approval, you know? Yeah, there, that scene was very layered. It was, uh, it, was, it was very hard for me to watch. And then tying that into the, to the last scene where you said he was in white and he's the kingpin, he's looking at that wall and right then he's trying to decide which man, what type of man he wants to be. And so I thought that it all tied in very, very well. And maybe that was, like my my buddy at work here said, maybe that was the origin story of the Kingpin. And maybe now that that lady has, Vanessa has committed to him, and now that all the other members are out of the way, and he's the only one left, now maybe we will get the Kingpin from the 90s. I'm fine with that. <laughs> get him some purple pants and we're ready to go. <laughs> but you know it was very difficult the one thing this this was very minor but this took me out of the story so much okay (laughs) he i expected him to be refined 
to be knowledgeable, to be very intelligent. And so, therefore, I expected him to do things very well. His Chinese accent is awful. Do you know Chinese? What? Do you know Chinese? Yeah, a little bit, yeah, because I studied it for a year in the Air Force, man. You didn't know that? You didn't know that? I forgot. Yeah. So her her Chinese, I mean, the scene is wonderful. The framing of the scene, the, 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 the story about the elephant and everything is, is great. Her Chinese is very mellifluous. You know, like, she, she speaks very well. She has good ups and downs and tones. Like, when you're speaking Chinese, it's like you're climbing over and under things with your words and your tones. His is very halting and screeching and not a whole lot of variance in the tone. And it just, it killed it for me. And I know it's such a nerdy thing. But I'm like, here's a guy who is like, prides himself, or in my mind, prides himself on every single thing he does, is extremely intelligent. You would think that he would know every custom. And like, if he broke a custom, he would do it on purpose to make a point. And his Chinese was just so terrible. Anyway. I know it's minor, but that that pulled me out of the story immediately, and I didn't enjoy that scene as much as I could have. Well, I mean, but it makes sense because you kind of know Chinese. I don't know any, so it was fine for me. Right. Yeah. So, I don't know. Anyway. All right. What did you think about Vanessa? She was my second favorite part of the whole thing. Okay. Do Do you agree? Was she good for you? She was she was very good. I uh, at first I was like, no, why are we bringing this in? It's it's showing the cracks in the in the character of the kingpin. Something to be. Um, I felt like Gao and 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 Owsley saying, you know, this guy's got to get on track. What's the deal? Yeah. Um, he felt extremely vulnerable, but the way her character progressed and the yeah. way that. I was like, this is a nice lady. How is she going to turn into okay with everything that he is doing? You know, she it's clear she's not pure evil from the start. But her character development and how much she cares for him and the excuses that she makes in her own mind for him, it was, it, the pacing was fantastic. It was spot yeah. on. Um, almost creepy. Yeah, and it was just so surprising. I mean, it happened within four or five episodes and... It didn't feel rushed at all. Yeah, she was... I think she just did a great job of portraying the Vanessa from the comics and from the cartoon. She was a good mixture, and she was... Like, you wanted to like her, and you wanted to see what was going to happen with her. Um, And you, you... I don't know, like, I would root for the bad decisions that she would make because I knew the character that she was becoming. But then I was like... I like her so much. Don't make that decision. What are you thinking? Why are you staying with him? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, there were a couple times where I thought she, you know, because I didn't know who they were going to kill. They started killing everybody. I thought yeah. there was a chance that she was going to die and that he was going to go full on rage and recover and make all these calculated things. But Now, with, speaking of deaths, <clears throat> did Ben surprise you? Yes. Yes, it did. But, like, when he's there, when he showed up, I was like, well, there's no way to get out of this. Like, there's oh, yeah. there's no way. He's going to he's gonna die. But you know what? 
redeemed it for me. And not that it was bad, but it was it was very tough to watch because Ben is a is a very important character um, in the comics. And what redeemed it is at the funeral what his wife said. You know, like I think it it was. It seems like nowadays the cliche would be for her to be very angry at Karen. And she said things that we, the viewer, didn't see about how um, Ben spoke about Karen and how she's tenacious and she does what's right and she doesn't let go and how he admired that. But we never saw that. So it was it was kind of brand new and a little out of place. But it was very also very refreshing and and gives you a little release and reprieve from, from all this... Uh, you know, very dark and negative things, like, you know, and how he died, too, how they, they showed it with his legs and everything, it was, it was tough, tough to watch, because there, here's a man of character, and uh, he's, he's doing the right thing, and he's trying to be smart about it, and he protects her, and then he gets his, you know? Yeah. And the, uh, according to the Kingpin, it was like an honor killing, you know? And yeah. <laughs> the kingpin expected him to tell the truth. I think he truly thinks that, well, I'm a man of honor. I came here to kill him because he brought my mother into it. I'm going to ask him if he was alone. He said he was alone. Why would he lie? Like, to me, he he, he expected that answer to be true because Ben is an honorable guy and he understands why I'm going to kill him. Like, to me, it seemed completely, in his mind, rational that cause and effect this is what's going to happen yeah and so that's when i knew he had no hope because i was like well this is just what this man thinks like well i'm supposed to kill you now you know yeah it it kind of made me jump when ben was at the computer and he turns around and he's there <laughs> yeah i guess i wasn't expecting that but like you said there was no other outcome Either Kingpin was going to die or Ben was going to die. Right. And Ben, you know, he's not a strong character. He can't be the hero of the story physically. Yeah. Um, Matt's not going to jump in and save him. I mean, when Matt <laughs> went up against Kingpin before, he got, you know, trashed. So So who is who would you say was your favorite character, probably? Overall. Uh, the- character Ben. Really? I I think so, but you know Matt is really good, and you know they didn't portray him as much of a jerk as he is, as much of an arrogant fool um, or womanizer, but uh, he still had the same determination that he has in the comics. Like he exacts justice that is not found in the judicial system, you know. And so that that is a huge draw for me. But as far as character and acting and um, the, the I think the true hero of the story um, is probably Ben because he doesn't have superpowers and he risks his life for the truth every single day. And you know he he's not going out there and physically doing this. And even though it was hard for Matt, Matt still had. A, a superhuman power, you know. Yeah. How about you? Uh, probably Kingpin. <laughs> I like. I, I'm not a fan of when they make villains like 
oh, you, he's not really a bad guy, like they did with uh, the Green Goblin in Spider-Man, like they did with um, Electro, like they did with Dr. Octopus, you know, and even Magneto in, in First Class. Like, I'm not a fan of, of when they make him relatable and say, well, you know, he's not that bad of a guy. But I was a huge fan of how they did it with the Kingpin. Because the Kingpin and Matt both want the same thing verbally to make the city a better place. But their definitions of a better place and who they're helping and better for whom and and how to go about doing that are completely different. Mm -hmm. But Kingpin is the hero of his own story. And that's kind of played a little bit, but he's the hero of his own story, but totally unrelatable to me. And that is so interesting. Like, this guy truly thinks he's doing the best thing, but there is no possible way I would ever come around to his thinking. Like, with Dr. Octopus and Spider-Man 2, like, I understand you want to do this, you want a better humanity, your wife got killed, you want to finish this project, you know, very sympathetic. But there is no way that... You could say, "Oh yeah, just go ahead and kill everybody, and uh, then you you know then it'll be good, and you can have free reign to do everything, and and it's justified." I hear you. <laughs> so I, I, you just you think so much deeper than I do. I feel like such a putz. No, <laughs> no. This is the stuff that's going through. I was telling Jackie about what I think the AKA Jessica Jones series is going to be, and I said, you know, you're probably not going to watch it with me and she said why not and i was like well it's got purple man and the story arc with purple man is really rough and it's about mm-hmm. manipulation and you know sexuality and and she's like no i probably won't watch it she's like that's in a comic book that you read and i was like yeah <laughs> and she's like well what do you think about when you're reading that comic why would you read it and i said i want to know what the author's definition of a good resolution or resolution of conflict or wrapping up the story in a positive way what is that definition of him you know from from the author in this case it would be bendis and then how does it stack up against my definition and then what would the differences be you know like what is their idea of good and bad and evil and good and and uh how all those things respond to each other so, you know, I think that we, I think that on some level we all kind of look at like, you know, can I relate to this character? Is what he's doing a good motivation? Because you know, it's on some level we always say, oh well, I can see that, or well, I can't see that at all. You know, and that's basically what we're doing. Yeah. Well, and did you let her know that you made me buy it? Oh no, I, I forgot. Did you read it or no? No, no, because it's the last half. I need the first half. Oh, well, you bought which trade? The Secret Origin of Jessica Jones? Or no, you bought number three or number two, right? I think I bought number two. Okay, yeah, I have an extra number four. You got to remind me. I'll mail it to you. Oh, okay. Like, Jackie's like, what do you think about this? You're like, it doesn't matter because Jared bought one. <laughs> That's what I should have said. <laughs> he told me to. All right, so who was Wesley? All right, Wesley was in the Frank Miller run of Daredevil. He was Kingpin's right-hand man. He was actually even in the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie. He really? was Kingpin's right-hand man, too. 
but he hasn't appeared for years. So is he related to anybody or? No, no, he's just Kingpin's right hand man. Uh, he, it, there's no really like familial ties or anything like that. Oh, see, I thought, I thought it was very cryptic because, um, you know, somehow he's the more knowledgeable, the more refined individual. He's picking the wines. He's doing stuff to to help the romance. He's setting up appointments and meetings. Like, why does this guy, who's so good and so ambitious, why does he care about how people talk to the kingpin? Like, why doesn't he care about how people talk to him? Um, I also like that they never, I don't think they ever said kingpin. That was pretty interesting, too. But when he is, when he is talking to Karen and he says, are you in love with this city? And she's like, I don't know. I mean, this scene was amazing. It was phenomenal. And he's like, I am not. I am here because I am needed. And so it's like, well, who put him there? Who needs him? To what end? Um, is he needed because his friend needs him? Is he needed to get a certain job done? Like to give all the leases to the Japanese? Did you? What did you think about all that? I, I guess I didn't think about it. <laughs> is he... What do you think? Like when, when he said, you know, I'm needed, did you just think... He met uh, Wilson. <clears throat> that that kingpin needs him. Yeah, but how did he get hooked up with the kingpin? Oh, I I didn't think about his backstory or his origin. I, I guess I just assumed I just took the players for who they were. See, that's why I'm saying like you're just a, a deep thinker, and I'm just a surfacey person. <laughs> <laughs> surfacey person. Did you think that he was gonna get killed? No, I, I guess I didn't. I mean, I knew someone was going to have to die. Every Marvel movie, somebody dies. Uh, but I was kind of shocked when it was him. <laughs> Dude, when he, like, when he's saying, oh, no, 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 you're not, you're not going to die first. And he starts telling them, and then it's like all of a sudden in my stomach, like, my hope just went away. Like, he's right. Like, they're going to kill <laughs> every single person she kills, cares about. You know, like, what would I do? When they found that... The, the prison guard, you know, shot himself, which I don't think he shot himself. But, like, you know, at that point, I don't know. Suicide might be the way out because you don't want anybody else to get hurt. And if you're out of the way, then there's a better chance that they're not going to come after your family and they can't, you know, harm the people you care about. And so, like, when this all this hope started draining from me, like, well, what what is your choice? Like... You have to do what they say or else all these other people are going to get killed. Now, you can take a stand and you can say, no, if you kill them, that's on you. But they don't care, you know, like mm -hmm. God cares. But the, the, the outcome is the same. Those people are going to die. Yeah. And so if you sell your soul and do what these people ask you to, you know, I, I tried to – it's very difficult for me not to put my myself in her shoes like, you know, if people were threatening my family, it doesn't even matter if I owe them money or not. You know, it's like, oh, well, you're going to do this. Well, why'd you pick me? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm going to kill your family. Yeah. And so I thought she was extremely justified in killing him. I mean, that's the only way. But I just was not expecting it. And good on her for, like, taking that split second when the phone rang to grab the gun. 
And he's like, you really think I would leave a loaded gun? She's I don't know. Let's see. And she cocked it. I mean, that was, it was a good scene. It was a good scene. She shot him and was so scared that she just kept shooting him. Yeah. She was like, oh, no, now I'm in trouble because I shot him. And then because of that terror, she just kept shooting. You think it was all terror? I do. I oh. do. I don't think it was anger. I think that she was terrified that she actually shot him. And so out of that terror, she didn't know what to do and she kept sh- shooting him. Yeah, I definitely thought there was some anger in there. I don't know. Because of her, her reaction afterwards by you know, drinking peppermint bourbon and freaking out and not being able to, to sleep and not being able to, like, I don't think it was regret that she took a life. I think that she was just, she is so terrified that she actually killed somebody who <laughs> the kingpin can find out and retaliate, you know? Yeah. So I think that in that split second, she was thinking of all the ramifications like, okay, well, this guy's not going to hurt my family, but now they're definitely going to come after me. Okay. I I guess you could be right. If I was you, I would say, of course I'm right. I wouldn't say it. I was wrong. But you're not me. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. I guess that's where I'm wrong. Um... Thoughts on the whole, the the amount of violence. But it was like a comic book. It was very much like a Daredevil or Punisher comic book. It's a violent thing, you know? It definitely was. Good point. not the Avengers, and this is not Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I did think that while I was watching it. I thought... Why is this so hard for me to watch? It's not just because I'm with Jackie. Um, it was very difficult to watch. But then I was like, it is exactly what's in the other. I've seen so many comics with this in it. What is the deal? But I don't know. I think it was just the, the visual medium. Like when I read over it, I don't work out in my mind what is happening or the action underneath the panel like it's a still image and yeah, I, yeah you know your mind fills in the gaps of how you got to that point but you know you can choose what to dwell on and what not to dwell on well this Absolutely. you know every frame is kind of spelled out for you it was it was kind of difficult did now how did jackie do with it there was a lot of not watching, and there was a lot of tell me when I can look, and sometimes she even covered her ears. Gotcha. I mean, the guy cutting off his arm and everything, that was pretty gross. <laughs> <clears throat> Seeing the bone. And that will do it. Yeah, but, dude, the toughest thing to watch was that episode 8 where the kingpin goes after his dad. That was the hardest thing to watch. That was pretty rough. It was, it was so dark, man. Like, not that he was getting killed and not that it was a hammer the fact that the kid was in such a mental state and conditioned that much and conflicted that much that he snapped like that that's what was hard to watch Mm -hmm. man what do you think about let me get your opinion so there's there's kids in the youth group that are watching this oh really yeah and uh 
you know, I know Jeff Loeb said it's PG-16, basically. He said, <laughs> you know, it's not PG-13, and our other stuff is PG-13, but it's definitely not rated R. Well, I disagree. I think a lot of it probably could have been rated R if it was a movie. But, you know, the kids are coming up to me going, oh, you're watching Daredevil? And, like, my moral responsibility is to say, yeah, it's pretty violent. You know, maybe take a second look at whether or not you should watch this. Because I, I think that what's going on is, Hopefully the parents are caring what they're watching and, you know, maybe looking over their shoulder. Um, but just saying, oh, well, the other Marvel movies were fine. Even if they watch them, I don't even know. I'm sure this is fine, too, because it's Marvel. Sure. Are, are you running up against any of that, the youth group kids over there? Uh, none of my youth group have said that they've watched it, but I remember when the youth pastor said something about Breaking Bad. And everybody was like, oh, we love that. Yeah. And, uh, I know what Breaking Bad is about. <laughs> right. So uh, I wouldn't really be surprised if, uh, you know, I think, too, it's like you said, the Marvel name says so much. The Marvel name is synonymous with with something. And this is a darker version of that thing that it's synonymous with. Do we... I know this is getting off track a little bit, but do we have a moral obligation to, like, I don't feel comfortable just going in and being like, oh, yeah, I saw the latest episode. Where are you on it? You know, because, I mean, I just don't feel it's appropriate for that age group. I know it's their choice. I know it's the choice of their parents and everything, but I'm, I, I feel like if I do that, I'm kind of condoning their actions, whereas I wouldn't want my kids to be watching it at that age. And I don't want other kids to feel left out because they either have, you know, different convictions or their parents are stricter or whatever. So, so what is it you're asking? So my question is, do what is our obligation? How would you respond to a 15-year-old coming up to you and saying, Oh, it was awesome. I'm done. It was great. Or I'm on episode whatever. Oh, well, I think it's kind of like with I Am Wrath. And, you know, this movie is rated R. The scenes that I saw being filmed are not appropriate for children. And there's a reason why it will probably be a rated R movie um, in that it is not appropriate for kids in youth group. It just because um, an adult does it doesn't mean it's appropriate for a child. And uh, according to our laws and our government, a child is someone is until they're 18, then they're classified as an adult. And even then, they're not afforded all their privileges until they're 21 or sometimes 25. So if I post on Facebook that I'm going to watch all of Daredevil, uh, I'm going to binge watch all of Daredevil, then I don't expect to go in to my youth group on Wednesday and have one of the kids that's in eighth grade say, well, you did it so I can do it. That doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that for me. It doesn't. It's not how things are designed. Just because um, one person does something doesn't mean it's okay for everybody. That's true, but that's also idealistic. Like, just because I I, di I didn't even think about Facebook or letting other people know, and then people being cued in saying, "Oh, well, Jared did it," you know, or my youth pastor, my youth leader did it. Um, I. I didn't even think about that. I mean, so 
I guess after the fact, when they come up to you and they say, are you watching this? And they're all excited about it. Do you just roll with it? Oh, I mean, I'm watching it. I'm a grown-up. I know, but... So let's say there's two... I know this is like a, a very pointed question, but there's two people in front of you. One is talking to you about it, and they're both the same age, and the other kid isn't allowed to watch it. Do you... Because you are allowed to watch it, do you say, oh, it was awesome, I'm on this, I love this, I love this. And then because that kid is allowed to watch it because their parents or whatever, you know, you, you that's fine. But then you turn to the other kid and say, oh, but you probably shouldn't watch it, obey your parents. You know, you you need to honor your parents, And but, but oh, it was awesome. Well, I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't have that conversation in front of that kid. <laughs> okay, well, that's kind of, that's kind of what I'm asking. Like, what would you, oh, yeah. if, if, it, if it was brought up in front of that other kid, how would you respond to the first kid who's all excited about it? Oh, we can talk about it later. Oh, okay. I mean, we've done that kind of stuff before. Kids have come up and said things that is not appropriate to talk about right now, or, um, you know, kids don't always have, adults don't either, but a lot of times kids don't have very good judgment about yeah. stuff. And they don't think about their peers that, you know, just because they can do something, other kids can't. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for answering that question. All right. <laughs> what what was your favorite part of the whole series? And is it worthy enough to have a favorite part? Because, I mean, I guess you didn't like it that much. Well, you know, I look forward to rewatching it. You know, I think some of the fight scenes were the way that they were choreographed were amazing. Uh, especially in the first couple episodes. Um, so I think I'd probably go with something probably along those lines. I really, you know, I kind of already said it. I really enjoyed how Kingpin was portrayed. Vanessa was portrayed. I liked how they worked off of each other. Uh, I thought the, the fight scenes, like I said, were choreographed very well. And uh, I guess I'm looking forward to season two. Because I think it's going to be maybe a little bit more superhero-y. And based on when it happens, we'll have already had uh, these other series out. You know, that there will be a lot more to build upon. Are you looking forward to the other series based off of this one? Yeah, I think uh, I'm not really looking forward to Jessica Jones. She Just because I'm the least familiar with her out of everybody. Uh, but I... I do like Iron Fist and Luke Cage, so I think that'll be good. And ultimately, probably Defenders will end up being my favorite. Is How that about a, you? Is that going to be a series or is that going to be a television movie type of thing? Oh, Defenders will be uh, twelve or thirteen episodes as well. Oh, really? I thought it was going to just be like a two-hour movie. Nope. Oh, that is awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, my favorite part was uh, in the second episode where he's doing the fight scene in the hall. The way it's framed, it's yeah. like perfect thirds, and you can see, uh, you know, the hall is the center third, and he's fighting. And this was pointed out to me, but I I turned to Jackie. I was like, this is so artistic. This is crazy. And she said, well, what do you mean? I was like, if you look at the lighting and you look at, like, the symmetry of, the, of, of everything. and um, Did you laugh or cough? I'm sorry. I had a little cough. <laughs> <laughs> But then it was pointed out to me that that was all in one take at one time because the camera didn't move at all. And so, like, 
they go out of the view of the camera and then they come back in. Yeah. And to do that scene, which was like, what, three, four, five minutes in one take, not necessarily the first take, but in one take with all that, like, and him getting tired, the realistic, and him doing like the flip where he kicks that guy at the very end and rescues the kid. It was just, I, I, it was amazing. It was yeah. amazing. And think of if they had to do that 10 times, how tired that guy, that actor or stunt double was. I mean, it was just, it was well, mind boggling. Tired. Yeah. He was just like, his last few kicks, you're like, the dude is legitimately tired. Yes. And that is something you don't necessarily see in the movies, not just superhero movies, but any kind of action movie, you know? Yeah. Oh, no. Huh. So I that that was by far far and away my favorite part. I thought it was interesting too. You know these other, you know I know that the Netflix thing didn't have a budget of you know fifty million dollars, and you look at what they were able to do. They were able to take thirteen episodes with a minimum budget, make a quality movie. And do it fairly with a, a fairly quickly quick turnaround. And then these other movies, you know, they're fifty million, sixty, seventy, eighty million dollar big budget movies. They don't look as good as, as Daredevil. They're a fraction. They're like one and a half episodes of what Daredevil is. I think Marvel really regardless of whether how much I enjoyed it and stuff, aesthetically and quality wise, they really knocked it out of the park. I, I would agree with you. Yeah. And one thing that boggles my mind, how does Netflix make money off of that? I I don't know. Net- Netflix buys it from Marvel or some kind of deal, some type, sort of transaction. But do they just make money off of subscriptions? Oh, if you want to see the new Marvel thing, you got to buy a subscription? Like... Well, I bet you subscriptions went up. I can really guarantee that. You but know? once once they saturate the market and everybody has a Netflix account virtually, uh, then what's their motivation for continuing to make content? There's no. Re- it, it'll just be an expense. It won't be a revenue anymore. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Anyway, I was thinking about that. That might be something to Google. How does Netflix continue make money off of their, you know, in-house series? All right, so we have just ended the Black Vortex, and a lot of our characters have been changed. And that's kind of what I want to talk about. Um, So we saw the fallout of that in Black Vortex Omega a little bit. Kitty Pryde is now a... um, a cosmic being and i'm sure you have opinions about that (laughs) which yeah you know a very very interesting thing um but it's well first what do you think about that about kitty becoming a cosmic being yeah i don't know i feel like bendis is kind of like you know what secret wars is coming up so i'm just kind of gonna do whatever I want to with all the characters that I have under my pen. Because is it really going to matter? 
I kind of I kind of feel the same way. Like Angel is different now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and let's let's be clear, we're talking about the young team. So Jean Grey has different powers. Scott is a little bit different. Angel has different powers, and now Iceman has come out as gay or a homosexual, right? Yes. Okay. At first, I got a text about this from you, and then I got a text about it from my sister-in-law. Oh. Which is was very out of the blue. <laughs> <laughs> we, we never like, text. Who died? <laughs> so <clears throat> she said, my, my childhood crush, Bobby Drake, is now a homosexual, now gay. Um, and I was like, yeah, I heard that, and I was referring to your text. And... I was I was very unhappy. I was very angry. The reason why I was very angry is because Marvel has this crazy double standard that I I cannot figure out. Okay, I want to go back to Camilla Khan, okay? Okay. All right. My argument back then was you have Muslim female characters do not create a new one just you know take one of them and and do this with them you know like spotlight m or spotlight uh what's her name karma or not karma but the the omega sentinel you know unless she's hindu i'm not sure which um so what do they do they have homosexual characters that they could do a story about but they didn't. They went back and they didn't even create a new character. They went back and changed an old character. I don't understand. I find this. If I was a homosexual, if I was gay, I would find this insulting. Okay? Because I know there's an argument out there of whether it's a choice or whether you're born this way. And they make some sort of weirdo time paradox and point out that his older self does not have these preferences and yet he does which and they were both born they're the same person so that either lends to the argument that it is a choice which that's not a very popular side to take or it's saying that because he came back from the black vortex and because Sam Humphreys wrote that if you change, it will change you. If you change back and try to go back, you will be changed. Then we can only conclude that this is one of those changes. Oh, I had not even thought of that or heard that. Well, that's the only thing I can figure out. I mean, I've read a million articles on this, and that is not one that I've heard yet. Okay, I have not read a single article about this, but this is the first thing that jumped into my mind. Clearly, coming back from the Black Vortex has somehow changed his sexuality. Which is, that sounds like terrible storytelling. Why would Bendis pick such a hot topic to use as a frivolous thing? So, maybe it's not that. So, but then, you know... Then it's the whole... I just can't wrap my head around it. Like, (laughs) but not only that. Like, 
taking the social aspect and the politics and the conflict out of it, it was fairly poor storytelling. Like, it was out in the middle of the story for no reason. Like, it didn't add to the plot. It was, like, for the sake of doing it. And I didn't understand why it was done and why it wasn't explored or hinted at. Like, I've heard a lot of... Well, you don't read Ultimate Spider-Man, but I've heard a lot of conjecture about Miles Morales' friend, Genki, being a homosexual or being gay. And... If that is true, then Bendis has done a good job building up to that from a story perspective. But this was but this was like ten pages. That was it. <laughs> so anyway, I wanted to know your thoughts on it, on that aspect of it. Um as far as retconning and not taking a character and highlighting a character that's already but but so what do the articles say? If you've read a ton of articles, I haven't read a single one. What what are they saying? Uh, well, a lot of people are arguing that the clues have always been there about Iceman's um, preference, sexual preference. Um, there's one page. Uh, there's even a Bleeding Cool article where they went back and they pulled various uh, scans of um, where Bobby said this, or Bobby thought that, or or he acted like this, um, and they put them all together to show that this has really always been leading up to it. Um, people have said that there are many instances of people, of men that have even been married, and then eventually realized that they couldn't suppress it, that they've been gay all this time, that they've just been hiding it, and that that's what uh, grown-up Bobby is doing and that young Bobby is not doing so that it's not really a retcon. It's always been there. So those are the kind of the bigger things that are kind of going on right now. Okay. So let me ask you this. Do you think that this was done for story purposes? Oh yeah. Oh, it, it was or, or okay. That's not what I expected you to say. Oh, I mean like to progress a story or to get some shock value and, and kind of put a uh if you some attention if you if if i was writing a comic book i would <laughs> want to put everything i could into crafting the best story i could so giving everyone else the benefit of the doubt and not saying oh it's all about money um do you think that it was for a, a story value of something that is upcoming that he's going to be focusing on on this or is it like hey he's he's out now and so we're done and that's it it's good well i do know something is coming he said that in uh uncanny 600 it's going to be followed up on that it's not this isn't just a a one-off thing okay i will say that bendis has done a very good job of making me care about these characters even more so than the original team this team feels more like my team than the original team right now because it's fractured and everywhere. Bobby's not even in a book right now, right? Who, Iceman? Like, grown-up Iceman? Yeah. Yeah, he's an amazing. Oh, he's an amazing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I forgot about that title. I was thinking uh, Wolverine the X-Men or Spider-Man the X-Men, Uncanny and All New, you know? No, he's an amazing. Yeah. It's just, it's such a strange thing to me, like... I hope that Bendis has a plan 
for a story. Regardless of whether I agree with the story or the politics or the social aspect or the right or wrong of it, I still want good stories. I don't agree with Karen Page shooting people. I don't agree with heroin. I don't agree with adult <laughs> films. You know, like, I don't agree. There's many things I don't agree with. Um, I don't agree with uh, premarital sex, you know. So, and that that's socially acceptable. So there's a lot of socially acceptable things that I don't agree with. But, but I'm not denying that those things can definitely make good stories. Those are good subject matters, you know, and uh, things that are perceived as good that I don't perceive as good. So I just, I just hope that this wasn't for money. Because if it was for shock value and money, regardless of where anyone falls on the issue... It is cheating real people who have to deal with this either in a positive way or in a negative way. And their people, people's situations, people's preferences are being used to sell comic books. There, you said there were so many articles written about this. I just feel like my friends who are gay, lesbian, homosexual, are being taken advantage of and duped so that Marvel can make money. Well, <clears throat> I don't know how much money they're making off this because it wasn't like it was uh, solicited beforehand, you know? Sure. It wasn't like a gay person is coming out in three months to so order extra copies. I wonder. I wonder if uh, if the back issue is going to sell. More. It definitely will. I think a lot of it is Marvel. I think a lot of it. I don't know if this is the right word, but pandering. I feel like they're just trying to say, "Hey, you know what? We're cool. We uh, are edgy. We're trendy. We're going to try and have everyone of every shape and size in in the the books." And we want you to take notice. This is going to get lots of headlines. Um, and this is going to show that we're on the up and up with everything. We're not going to do what you said and create a character. Uh, you know, create a quality character that's a homosexual. What, what, what's wrong with that? Do that. Create a character that has a, a good background. Really explore the character. And by the way, he happens to be a homosexual or she happens to be a homosexual. And that's, that's what I don't understand. That's what they did with Kamala Khan. And they said it went so well. In the in the letters column of the first issue, it said it was amazing and everyone loved her, which I don't know how that's possible. It was the letters column of the first issue. Yeah. But why why are you changing something we're used to? I don't understand. Okay. Let's take another example. Angel. The changes that happened to Angel. Are you okay with them? Well, I mean... That's why I feel like this whole Secret Wars thing is a get-out-of-jail-free card. Because this way, Bendis doesn't have to explain how everything is still the same today when all these changes have occurred with the kids in the past, you know? He yeah. doesn't have to explain that they've been gone for months, that Professor X isn't, like, searching for them, that these changes that have been made haven't affected the future. It doesn't have to be explained. It's just kind of like, I can do whatever the heck I want to do, uh, because Secret Wars is coming up. 
Yeah, I feel that way too because we learned in, in I don't know if you have you read all of Black Vortex or no? Yeah. Okay, so we learned that Beast found out he can't fix it. He can't. Yeah. He has all yeah. the knowledge in the whole universe and he realized he can't fix it and he made a mistake. So when I saw that, I was like, all right, as I, I'm, I'm okay with that because I really like these characters. I really like, um, I really care about these characters. I really relate to these characters. They seem more real to me than the other X-Men team. Um, I know a lot of people won't like that. You, a longtime reader of the X-Men probably doesn't, you know, don't like that, but but now all these it seems like the status quo is changing for all these people all the time and i don't really understand all the changes like i don't understand the purpose of the change with bobby i don't understand any of the changes with angel he seems very similar except different costume yeah so and then x23 acts a little bit differently and you know i just it seems like bendis says okay it's not it doesn't seem like i can do whatever i want it seems more like all right you're gonna reboot everything fine i'm gonna go crazy with this and i'm just gonna have fun i'm gonna do these things just to see how far i can push it because nothing really matters yeah and i'm i'm all about character growth and change that that's fine it just has to be uh, organic like it has to make sense and it's like you said with the with the status quo changing like every three or four issues, it's like whoa. You know, when do I even get to sink? Let these things sink in and let me get used to this is how the character is right now. Right, I agree. I agree. Oh, I don't know. I don't. I, there's not many books I'm really enjoying right now, and uh, I I think that's that's probably where all my frustrations coming from. Like I looked at everything and I said, man, I got so much to catch up on, and then I was like, you know, not really. Why do I have to catch up on Spider-Man 2099? Why do I have to catch up on Secret Avengers? There's no real reason. It doesn't have anything to do with anything else in the Marvel Universe. Uh, well, go ahead. I'm, I'm very interested in where Uncanny's going. But I thought, it was, I thought it was neat. To wrap up the Black Vortex, I thought it was neat that um, Peter proposed. It was kind of a strange thing, but I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes. Kitty's well, going to be... What? kind of back on what you had said about there's no reason to read these or whatever um i just read a report today you know dc is doing convergence yes right now and they said that uh the retailers a lot of retailers are reporting that issues are just sitting on the shelves that no one's buying them because everyone is saying well once this is all done then we're going to get back to normal yep and I can definitely see where that can be said now, too. When you've got every issue of every book, you're like, does this really count? Is it really, what's the point? Why read it? Yeah. I have, I, I, it's sad, but because I have limited funds and limited time, I'm not just going to read everything so that I see what is a good comic and what is not. I know I'm missing out on some good, fun comics. Because I say, well, I don't have that much time. I don't have that much money. So I'm going to read only really what matters. That's all new. That's uncanny. Avengers World. uh, New Avengers and Avengers. And that's that's pretty much it. And you can't tell me that when Secret Wars comes out and there's 40 or 50 new titles that you're going to read all of them. No. No. I mean, we went over what we were interested in. But I really started thinking about it. I was like, 
I don't know what I even want to really read, you know, because yeah. if they don't matter, it, it almost doesn't matter if it's a good story because I just don't have the time. I just don't have the money. So you're going to have to rely on word of mouth. Oh, this, you know, flying around and shooting monsters by Garth Ennis was really good. Oh, really? Well, maybe I'll read it. Maybe I'll pick it up. But then next week, more books are coming out that, you know, I care about. But man, like if they're really going to separate the X-Men into their own universe, they are really, they're saying, you know, what? we're just going to change everybody. Angel, old Angel is brain dead, pretty much. He's not the same character. Bobby, we don't see him all the time, but you'll love this new Bobby. Cyclops, he's a little pipsqueak, and he's standing in this other guy's shadows that he doesn't want to become. Uh, at least we have Jean Grey back, and you know we don't even recognize um, Emma Frost anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, Well, Axel Alonso did come out and say in an interview that uh, everyone misread what he had said in that interview, and that the X-Men aren't going to be in another universe. Oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness. Yeah, you're going to have to follow our... Uh, you should check us out on Facebook, Andy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. So I, I, thank you for, for discussing that with me. I know, I, I know it's, a, it's a touchy subject, and I know um, we, as a Christian, I know that I don't think homosexuality is right. However, I have no problem with the people in general. I have no problem with anyone. I have friends. I, I, you know, we are called as Christians to, to love everyone. And I try to do that. Sometimes I have a hard time loving my wife. Sometimes I have a hard time loving my kids. But, you know, I, I, do, I do bad stuff all the time. I do stuff that is, is against the Bible all the time. So it's not... It's not I hope that I didn't come off as a bigot, and I know that you were worried about that. Um, and it's not that. It's if we were taking all of that out of it and saying for the sake of the story, if I really want to read a good comic book, does this qualify? And and also, I don't like to see people being taken advantage of regardless. You know, I, if people are being used as an excuse and saying, hey, this is uh, this is a topic right now, um, we're going to go ahead and, and uh, use this topic to sell more books or to make us look better. Well, I kind of got a real moral problem with that. So, anyway. Um, but, I, listeners, I am very interested in what you have to say. If you could call in or if you could write an email, uh, marvel616politics at gmail.com. Uh, Twitter at 616politics and go to our Facebook page or I'm sorry, our website marvel616politics.com There you go. <laughs> so, I mean, and of course, I mean, they can go to the Facebook page also, right? Sure. Yeah, we did a we did kind of a news roundup yesterday. There were a couple other things that, that hit but didn't necessarily need the attention of a individual posts so we put some stuff together and uh, kind of mesh it all together as a news of yesterday right on like that because um, i'm thinking you probably because you didn't mention it hear about the new spider-man movie no i didn't know about that well marvel and sony announced that there will be a spider-man animated movie what it will, it will take place 
in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What? It'll what take you, a animated movie? Is are they just trying to get something out quick? No, no, because it's not going to come out until 2018. Why in the world are they doing that? I think it's I think it's a good idea. I think what it's going to do is it's going to be a Marvel animated movie that like it's not going to be something you have to see. Like you need to see Avengers two to probably know what ha- what you're going into it for Infinity War. You know, yeah. but this mar this animated Spider Man movie is going to be something that you can take your kids to and watch it. But also, if you want to watch it and know that it will line up with what's going on in the MCU, that works too. Wow. I think it's genius. And it's the people that are making it are the people that made the Lego movie. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, so Spider-Man, the movie Spider-Man will come out in 2017. And then the animated Spider-Man will come out in 2018. Oh, okay. I thought it was in place of that. No, uh-uh. Oh, wow. But I'm thinking if it's going to be animated, you know, because I can't take my nephews to see Avengers 2. Right, sure. It just You can't. But I can, you know, I can go and screen it and then edit it and they can watch an edited version. Or I know I can probably 95% take them to see the Spider-Man animated movie and I'm going to also enjoy it. Hmm. Well, was there anything else you wanted to talk about? That that was just that broke yesterday, and I know that Spider-Man's your favorite character, so I wanted to make sure I got that out on the docket for you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. But that's it. That's all I got. Yeah. Um, I. The last thing with the we, – we talked a little bit about the Bobby coming out as a homosexual. That, uh, you know, that happened in all-new X-Men number 40. The – what Bendis said he wanted the big reveal to be was the characters of the Utopians on the last page. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that's Karma, and who else? Uh, we've got... Well, first, let me just put that I think Bendis was being silly. I think that's a good word for me to use, silly, because how could he have legitimately thought that that was going to be the big news and it wasn't going to be the news of Bobby being gay? I don't know. Maybe he's trying to make sure that people don't think he's taking advantage of uh, an entire demographic. Thank you. (laughs) So uh, the Utopians are Madison Jeffries, Boomer, Karma, Mask, Random, and Elixir. A very odd pairing of people, uh, especially because Karma was just seen in Nightcrawler. She was just (laughs) at the the school. Um, Hey, that's Claremont, right? He doesn't count. (laughs) Elixir was just in Wolverines, and in the last issue of Storm, she had brought the remains of Utopia much closer to uh, San Francisco. It was much closer to the mainland. Like, it was right near the San Francisco Bridge, the Golden Gate Bridge. So, for now, it to all of a sudden be back in the ocean, and this group of six people are living there. Somebody's not doing their their fact-checking very good. Their editorial job? (laughs) Yeah. Uh. But, again, Secret Wars is coming, so it might just not matter. Yeah, that's probably true. (laughs) Yep. I feel bad for Hickman, whose arm is being forced. (laughs) 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 Well, uh, thank you for joining us. This is Marvel 616 Politics, and we are sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Go there. 
Order all your issues 40% off. Yes, they're 40% off. You can also go to, uh, our, we're also sponsored by Community Retail Partnership, crpsavings.com, where you can get a discount membership program for $39, and everything you purchase through Office Depot will be discounted for you. You can also check out Michael Web Solutions at michaelwebsolutions.com for all of your internet and marketing needs. And I think that's it. So until next time, make yours Marvel 616 Politics.